Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong. Jackie back, Jack. And Joe Getty. Joey, baby. Things are getting weird. And they're getting weird fast. Armstrong and Getty. But I know this. They're loco. Everyone knows it. But the dramatics could come down just a little bit. And now, he is Armstrong and Getty. of talks, Lincoln's main goal was to persuade Chinese officials to resume contact between the two militaries, cut off since August last year. It's less a hotline and more regular engagement, regular uh, communication, so that they understand what we're doing and not doing. But she did not agree. U.S. sanctions on China's defense minister were an excuse for why he refused his phone calls. Yeah, so the conundrum to me is if you got a guy who wants to fight you, you don't want to fight. How do you dictate any terms whatsoever? Aren't you in a constant state of retreat to try to avoid the fight? And he gets to set the pace of everything? Unless you can say confidently, I will fight you, and I will beat you badly. Yeah, fighting me would be a really bad idea. That's about the only hope you got. So many stories, subplots uh, involving China going on right now, and who better to talk to than one of our favorite journalists, Josh Rogan, global opinions columnist for the Washington Post, also a political analyst with CNN. Josh Rogan, how are you, sir? Great, thanks for having me back. Where do you see things as they stand right now? Have we accomplished anything at this point? Yeah, you know, I think... Frankly, your opening was like refreshingly honest and accurate in a sea of horrendous media coverage of this Blinken visit, you know, which is all centered around the question which you answered amazingly, to be honest, which is like, wait, why are we doing this again? What do we what do we hope to accomplish? And how is it that the most important thing in for our secretary of state China policy is getting China to take pick up the phone? That's the most important thing. And 
how is how do we understand the fact that the Chinese government says they want communication and dialogue and peace and cooperation and mutual respect and win-win solutions and to avoid the Cold War? That's what they say. But then when we're like, hey, uh, do you want to have a phone line? They're like, no, I'm sorry, we we can't go that far. You know, it's 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 ridiculous. We're in this ridiculous moment in our culture in our society where everyone is telling us listen we really got to make nice with china which would be great and we never stop to think even for one second that question that you asked which is like what if they don't want that what if they're not interested in that what if they're lying you know what i mean what if they're telling now to be sure they don't trust us we don't trust them we've given them reasons not to trust us they've given us reasons not to trust them sure but the biden administration sent the secretary of state over there and they, you know, patted him on the head and sent him packing. That's what happened. And he was like, hey, can we just get a phone line set up, you know, to avoid that conflict that you say you don't want? And they're like, nah. So that should tell you everything you need to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the difference between actions and words comes to mind. So we were discussing briefly earlier, Josh, the idea that China has this uh, strategy, very long-term strategy, to dominate the globe, including the United States. And there's really nothing we can do outside of the threat of force to dissuade them. I mean, we, we get together for these meetings. They might change their tactics, but not their strategy. Would you agree? Yeah, and not only that, it's not just a military strategy. Like, we're always talking about the South China Sea or what if we go to war with Taiwan. But that's that's important, but that's only one thing. You know, the Chinese strategy is economic and ideological and technological, and, you know, they want to sort of take over all the U.N. bodies so that they can turn them into anti-human rights organizations. And then they want to, you know, tell us to go pound sand when it comes to unfair trade practices. And, you know, they're using economic coercion all over the region. And all these countries are looking to us. But they're like, what do you got? You have, you have anything to contend with this? And, you know, that I think, you know, right, we can't change China. The hubris that comes from Washington is like, oh, we can make them to be like us. You know, and that's what I think we need to realizes that they're not going to become like us. They're going to, China's going to develop in its own way, for better or worse. But here's the good news. If there is any, there are a lot of other countries who do want to help us. And there are a lot of countries, especially in Asia, who share our concerns. And this is why, like, when you hear, which you hear, I hear a lot of recently, oh, those Washington China hawks, oh, man, they're getting too, you know, there's too much groupthink and consensus that China's bad and, you know, you know that, that's going to start the war or something like that. You would, in order to believe that crap, you would have to ignore the fact that there's all these other countries in the world who face the same problem as we are. And when you think about China's rise, it will be the biggest, richest uh, country with the biggest economy and the, probably the biggest. You know, like that'll that's going to happen. But if we join with, I don't know, the number three one, which is Japan, or the number four one, which is your, you could all of a sudden we get the advantage again. So mm. I think that's really where we should focus our efforts. Interesting. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, the administration was forced to admit news reports that China was putting spying apparatus in Cuba. And now we have the story today, I think it's in the Wall Street Journal, that there is talk of some sort of base or training exercises between China and Cuban Cuba, which could include Chinese troops in Cuba. How big a deal is this? Right. It's like, oh, man, don't compare this to the Cold War. But wait, they're putting a military base in Cuba. It's like, all right, well, it's not exactly the Cold War, but, you know, there's a couple of things that are, like, kind of remind me of it a little bit, right. you know? And not to mention, you know, the gulags and the communism and the military expansion and the repression and all that stuff. But, I mean, you know, the funny thing about the Biden people is that 
you know, anytime they're they're trying to be nice to Beijing, they just don't they don't want any bad news about China. So they just deny it as a matter of course. Oh, what about the Chinese visit Cuba? No, oh, we never saw it. I don't know. And then they're like, Oh, but here it is. They're like, Oh, well that wasn't us, that was the Trump administration, they dropped the ball and that and it's not that bad anyway. It's not a spy base. It's a base that can spy. That's what that was like the latest one. <laughs> they were like, they were like, it doesn't exist. And they're like, okay, it does exist, but it's not a spy base. It's just a base. And yeah, sure, there are spies there, but that's not the main point of the base. It's really more about you know, you know, planting turnips. So you know what I mean. This is the kind of nonsense that they spend their time in meetings at the National Security Council, and like you can imagine, like dozens of emails flying back and forth They're like oh can we say it's a base that spies oh yeah that'll work let's let's run with that okay send that up the ch- you know what i mean this is what wow. our leaders spend their time worrying about okay uh, jo- but josh josh rogan global opinions columnist for the washington post is online sorry josh go ahead finish your thought no i'm just gonna say but you, i don't know i forgot what i said let's go on to the next question <laughs> i interrupted it was rude it was uh untoward and i apologize no, 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 for it no, 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 no. so you gotta keep the show moving i get it we got a lot to get to <laughs> Well, and uh, you know, I actually uh, Jack went on a rant earlier about how we were the beggar. We were on our knees begging China for favors, and they were telling us to go to hell. And I accused him of being a, a jingoist and out of his mind and the rest of it. But boy, <laughs> judging by your description, it, it, that seems to be the dynamic. But in the fairly limited time we have, right? What have we learned recently about the origins of COVID nineteen? How solid is the evidence? Right, right. By the way, I don't think this necessarily means that he's not out of his mind, by the way. Yeah. Uh, All right. Right. Sometimes when you're paranoid, they are after you, you know, as the old saying goes. Exactly. But, you know, listen, the evidence keeps mounting that probably likely, very likely, definitely, probably there was some relation between the outbreak of a bat coronavirus that infects humans with the lab in Wuhan next to the outbreak that was studying the bat coronaviruses that infect humans. (laughs) Now, color me shocked. But and like you like you know you know damn those people who you know refused to release this information for three years while people died and then and people were silent and all that stuff you know what I mean it's a real crime the cover up is the crime here and the Chinese have been covering up the labs since day one and we never asked well why are they covering up the labs if the labs are innocent why are they it doesn't make any sense so you know I think like now the evidence is piling up and I think the pressure is on the Biden administration to release the rest of it. They're sitting on the proof. They have it. We don't need to go to China. We don't need to break into the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The proof is in the Biden's hands, and all he has to do is release it, as the law requires him to do. But I don't think they're going to do it for the reasons we just discussed, because it's going to del- disrupt his delicate friendship with Xi Jinping. And that's a tragedy. Well, and I'm the opposite of a conspiracy theorist. I approach virtually everything with a great deal of skepticism, but the evidence seems so clear to me that U.S. funding was intimately involved in the Wuhan Institute. Uh, Anthony Fauci, Peter Daszak, EcoHealth Alliance, all of them were in bed with that lab, and they have been desperate to cover up their culpability for the deaths of millions of people. Agree, disagree, halfway, what? Listen, I, I don't. it's not that we funded the research that started the pandemic is that we built the whole laboratory that then took that laboratory and joined it with the Chinese military. And that's where the, you know, the problem likely happened. So we're indirectly responsible. And I say we, all of us, our whole system, which was thought that we could just engage China and work with these nice Chinese scientists and help them play around with back coronaviruses and everything would be hunky dory. All right. That's a nationwide government wide failure that we refuse to acknowledge. Uh, But I think that, yeah, I think increasingly the jig is up. All right. Appreciate your time, man. 
Yeah, Josh Rogan of the Washington Post. Josh, it's always stimulating. Come on again soon, would you? Anytime. All right, thanks. If, you know, it all goes back to that that naivete of the twentieth, late 20th, early 21st century where China was going to be our buddy. And we just made so many terrible strategic mistakes. And now people, especially with the deaths of millions of people, have such an interest in pretending they weren't pushing We that. funded their rise from a yes. backwater, living like it was 1850 society to being what they are now to where they can actually threaten us on the globe. <laughs> one of the worst decisions in world history. And from day one, their goal was to threaten us right. on the globe. So this is the headline out. Today, U.S.-funded scientists among the three Chinese researchers who fell ill. So we've been talking about the three. They, they got numbers one, two, and three people that got the COVID researchers in that lab. That nailed down last week or whatever. Well, the news out today is they have identified one of the three was being funded by the United States. So that, I think, could be a big story. Yeah, yeah, but I want to caution everybody. It should just be an incredibly unfortunate coincidence that the first three people to fall sick from COVID-19 worked at the Wuhan Institute. They probably all went out for wet bats at at the pangolin market, got it (laughs) there, and brought it back to the lab. Or sexed up the pangolins, as South Park is suspected. (laughs) If you've had pangolin... You won't leave it dangling. I don't know. Oh, I just off the top. I don't. Wow. I don't even God know what that means. The queen, man. Yeah, man. Come on. So I, it's we probably shouldn't make light. Millions of people are dead. But yes, it was the Wuhan Institute, and everyone knows it. Well, and but this U.S. funding aspect of at least one of the scientists now. Well, that's that's been clear for a long time. I mean, I've got to read the particulars of that. Um, I, I don't get quite why that's a headline because EcoHealth Alliance, Peter Daszak, through the, the NIH and the CDC, have been known to be funding it for years. Will there ever be a reckoning on this whole story? Yes, and it won't be heard by 60% of America because it indicts uh, left media and pol- politicians. I tell you what, people cover up if they got an illegal campaign contribution. You think they're going to cover up the fact that they killed millions of people then lied so about it? Till uh, their graves. I'm willing to let Fauci skate. Fine. I don't care. I don't need to punish him. I'd like to, but I don't need to. Let him go live the rest of his old life however he wants. Let's have a national discussion with scientists and policymakers of whether or not we ought to be doing these experiments, these virus experiments. Can they be contained? Or, as I seem to understand, did we think we could contain them? But there's like a half dozen examples, including COVID, of it not working. You develop this thing and it leaks out. If it can't right. be contained, let's stop doing the experiments. If I'm not allowed to do them in the Western world, these experiments, but I'm convinced to my soul this is the way you prevent the next giant pandemic, I'm going to farm it out to some place that will allow these experiments, as Anthony Fauci, for instance. Um, that's precisely what they did. Well, so far, your effort to stop the next big pandemic caused the biggest pandemic, the second biggest, and maybe in world history. Yeah. Rough. More on the way. Stay here. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Under any circumstances, would you get in this primary? No. None. Look, I really am proud. I think he's a man of decency and character. I'm really proud of the president. I'm proud of what he's accomplished. He's strong enough to be president. That's what I'm talking about. Look what he just did to McCarthy. 
He ran circles. Look, look at the vote card. I didn't Kevin like just vote. Got, I wouldn't I mean, have voted for it. Exactly. Kevin got played by the president of the United States. I'm for results. I'm for results. What were those weird noises in the background? Uh, Gavin, know, it sounded like uh, Sean was sneaking Tic Tacs while Gavin was talking. <laughs> that was Gavin Newsom, governor of California, on Sean Hannity last night, although somebody said we should call him Blabbin Nuisance instead of Gavin Newsom. Blabbin oh, Nuisance. That's pretty good. That is pretty good, actually. <laughs> um, uh, that was a pretty unequivocal, no, I'm not going to get the primary. There's not a chance I'm getting in the primary. Of course, th- that's a different question if the president resigns or dies or falls no, down the stairs. No, he's going to announce late this year, early next year, that he's not running. And Gavi, having not endured an extra six months of scrutiny, jumps in. It's it's all unfolded in front of me. I've seen the future. Coming up, are America's moral values tumbling? As a new, yes. po- as a new poll says? Yes. Okay. We got this text. I think you tune into the Armstrong and Getty show to feel just a little worse than you did when you got up, don't you? Isn't that the whole point? <laughs> oh, man, that's a scathing indictment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, loyal listener and Marine Corps veteran here. We have a beautiful VA, VA clinic where I am, complete with a circular drive with the American flag, the state of Oregon flag, and all branches of the service flags, and now a pride flag. Take care, guys. Are we allowed to say guys in our son's baseball league, Little League, we can only say at a kid and not at a boy? They're not allowed to say at a boy. You have to say at a kid. <laughs> Please do not use gendered language to to address everyone. I tell you what, my friend, you say at a boy. Let the results play out. I will finance your legal battle. How did the pride flag become a, you put it there with the U.S. flag, the state flag, and all branches of the government at the VA claim? How did that happen? Well, and keeping in mind, many times, it's not just the, you know, rainbow flag of I'm gay, I'm lesbian. It's the transgender, uh, gender fluid, anything goes, your kids get sex changes flag. But even even if it were just the other, why? Why is... Your sexual orientation, a flag that hangs with the state flag. I mean, that's just why. I still don't get the why. That's really interesting that that happened. It certainly has happened. Um, I, I was thinking when you were talking about China devastating us in a quick war to take Taiwan, I have a feeling all our conversations about who gets to use what bathroom and reparations and a whole bunch of other dis- different discussions are going to go away quickly if that happens. Yeah, as we were discussing off the air, we won World War II because Hitler invaded Russia in the winter and Russia spent millions of lives defeating him and the U.S.'s industrial might. Industrial might wins wars and we don't have it anymore. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. 
basically everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. I don't know if you're listening to us on an, uh, an AM radio station right now. But, um, or podcast or FM or whatever, but how they're, they, they've stopped putting AM in a lot of cars, which is something. It's an outrage. It goes against God and the Constitution. <laughs> the Bible. Clearly, the Bible talks about AM radio. The Bible! Amplitude modulation is where it's at. Please, if you're modulating frequency, you're a punk. Except our fine FM stations. We love you. I shouldn't have gone there, and I regret it. Uh, anyway, yeah, it is an interesting question, though. If if the, the poo does contact the ventilation unit, um, uh, people instinctively go to the big AM stations. Yeah, that's yep, because yep. that's the system. That's the way the system was built. Anyway, interesting topic. Uh, speaking of the law, this uh, this is one of those stories that I brought up a couple of times in real life, just to gauge people's interest in it over the weekend. And like me, uh, I don't think saying they went nuts is an overstatement. Uh, Fox News, specifically Pete Hegseth, who I think may have been filling in for, uh, what's his name, Jesse Waters, it doesn't really matter, but he did an interview with a Florida woman who had squatters in her house, and they uh, committed astounding amounts of destruction, and, and the story is about what they did and her efforts to get them out and how frustrating it was. Why don't we just start with clip 30, Michael? I own this house. It doesn't matter. Yes, it does. As a landlord, distress. we're I all have... going through distress, but you just spent 31,000. 31,000. 31, and we got 3,100. 
You okay, it doesn't matter. Your police report states this is under investigation. So with that being said, we don't have to leave anything until the police comes back and tell us what would be the I have every decision. right to be in this you, house. You don't have every right to be in the house I at do, all. You do not. That is a woman in her own home confronting the squatters and being lectured by the legally savvy squatters that she, the homeowner, needs to get the hell out. She doesn't have any rights. So I got, And I they're got confu- more or less correct. So is this a... I'm confused on this. I missed something. So is this a rental? Or do people show up in the home that she's like actually... She ran out of room? Or somebody, are people squatting in the house that she just like regularly lives in? Well, no, it's it's Florida, so many, many people, hundreds of thousands of people have homes that they occupy part of the year. Oh, gotcha. And it's okay, one of those I gotcha. cases. So then you show up and they won't leave. Okay, now I get it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, the again, the legally savvy squatters are well acquainted with the law and are lecturing her on the law. And we'll play another clip or two, then I'll explain some of the legalities. They will make you want to tear your hair out. 31, Michael. Whatever the case may be. I own the house. But, yeah. Okay. No. No. <laughs> if you touch me. I'm not touching you. My I'm trying you to are touch touching you. me. No, and this okay. lady is I'm touching me. I'm blocking you from no. in the house. You are. God So who's, do you have any idea who's uh, recording this or whatever? I definitely would get my phone out. Uh, yeah, the lady is. Yeah, the homeowner is. Yeah. Quick word from our friends at Simply Safe Home Security. Spring is in bloom. Vacation season season is quickly approaching. But before you pack your bags, be sure to secure your home with Simply Safe Home Security. When you're on vacation is when you're most likely to be burgled. Right. Yeah. And uh, so you got break-ins, fires, all kinds of different threats that can be detected with the Simply Safe technology. Because there was a crime near where I live, the police were going door to door asking people if they had security cameras. And if they have any footage, um, you would have cameras with the Simply Safe setup that you can check remotely to see if everything is okay. And if somebody breaks a window in the night, you're going to know it in a big hurry. And so are the cops. But Simply Safe is so much better than the traditional old systems. There's no installation charge. You can set it up yourself in a few minutes. There are no long-term contracts. It's simple enough to actually use. And the 24-7 monitoring, the professional monitoring, is fundamentally different. They can explain how at simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Go today, claim a free indoor security camera plus 20% off your order with interactive monitoring. That's simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. There's no safe, like simply safe. Um, the squatters <laughs> moved into her Jacksonville property while she was out of town, caused nearly $40,000 in damage, holes in the walls, doors ripped off the hinges, feces on the carpet, and spread what is, about. Why, why always the feces? Why <laughs> always feces? Matter. Here's the part that's truly, truly angering and frustrating to me. And I've been looking into Florida law on this topic, and... You know, I could bore you with the details, but if the squatters break into an unoccupied home and start living there, it it's essentially the civil version of criminal trespass. It is not lawful. I'm quoting from a website now, a legal website, but it does not become a criminal act until a landlord takes steps to make it so. So this is the part that makes me and every sane human being crazy about this. If I break and enter, 
That's burglary. It's clearly a crime. Everybody knows it's a crime. But if I break and enter and start living there, all of a sudden it's a civil matter, and I, the, the homeowner in this situation, have to go to court, file papers. It takes weeks, if not months, to so, put somebody out of their your own home. So your tip to burglars is always burgle with a pillow and a blanket so you can claim you're living there. If you get caught, so right. you break well, in so... to get the t- TV or whatever you're trying to get, all the copper wire if you're a meth head, whatever you're attempting to steal, but have a pillow and a blanket. So if the cops show up or something, say, hey, just lay down the floor. <laughs> hey, I live here. Now, I need to look at, into some of the particulars of how long you need to be there. Um and, and there are legalities about if you aren't there for years and they openly and notoriously set up camp there and live openly in it, that's a little different. But at what point does breaking and entering and hanging around become squatting? Is it five minutes? Is it a day? Is it a week? Is it a month? How about if it's an occupied dwelling and I break in and just flop on the couch and say, I live here now? Well, I remember when this was going on in California years ago with, like, empty homes after the weird housing bubble burst and everything like that, and people would break into some of those homes that were just sitting there and lived there, and it was really hard to get them out of there. Really hard. Oh, yeah, it's a huge problem in California, too, because it's a blue state. I'm a little surprised how liberal the laws are in Florida. Yeah, Ron Sanctimonious. Uh, the homeowner says these squatters know the laws better than most attorneys do. They use them to, you know what? I think we have this clip, don't we? Uh, give us 33, Michael. How did they get into the home? They broke in. They drilled out the deadbolt and entered the home and then replaced it with a deadbolt that only they had a key to. Wow. And that right there was when I lost control that was of it. my so property. They... Uh, go ahead, roll on. So they broke into your property, took it over, and then said, let the courts figure it out. The, the police didn't say, okay, we're going to let you back into your house. Absolutely. These squatters know the laws better than most attorneys do, and they use them to their advantage. And the police are absolutely hamstrung. Uh, they, have, they know that this is a civil matter. The police have absolutely no right to remove these squatters and treat them as criminals, as individuals that have broken in or trespassed. And they simply throw up their hands and say, you need to ro- go through the civil court system and evict them. That can take 30 days, six months, and in some cases, in some cities around this nation, it can take 18 months or more. Well, and even 30 days is a really long time. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, so what were the laws originally intended to do? You know, there's always some uh, the high cost of good intentions. What, what was the what were they trying to what ill were they trying to cure when they passed these laws? It had to do with not being able to boot a tenant out unless you'd gone through the process proving that they hadn't paid the rent or had gotcha. breached the contract or something like that. You can't just go in there with a gun and say, get out. Mm. Um uh, but it's the idea that you can prove a person has no permission to be on your private property, in your private home, and yet they are there, but you've got to go through the court systems to get them out is utterly outrageous. It ought to be a 48-hour maximum process just for everybody to check the paperwork. All right, no lease exists. You're swearing under oath. This is your property. You've proved it. They have no permission to be there. All right, we'll get them out. Uh, one more clip uh, to the law and politics of a 35. 
So let's just say you, you called two of your brothers, an uncle and a, and a buddy who was in the military, and you said, we're going to go over there and just physically remove the people from the house, not harm them, just remove them from the house and take our house back. Would you be the bad guy? We would be in jail. In fact, I couldn't even turn off the electricity and the water. Uh, we are prevented from doing that. So not only did they uh, steal a home to live in for a period of time, but they lived in, in relative comfort with a washer-dryer, which they stole, a uh, fully stocked kitchen uh, with all of the appliances, and heat, air conditioning, and water. And you can't turn off the power that you are paying for, because that would be cruel to the people who drilled out your deadbolt and are now unoccupied or occupying your house illegally. How many times has this happened in the history of the world where people get to break into a place you own and stay there and the onus is on you? Modern America. Yeah, modern yeah. America. No kidding. Final point, speaking of Ron uh, DeSantis, land war, the, the woman in question shared she'd like the governor to focus on property rights. I invite him, instead of focusing on Disney, I welcome him to focus on this critical issue that's affecting almost every community in the state of Florida. Property rights in the state are absurd. Yeah, I would agree. What an outrage. There have been a bunch of stories uh, of this sort on the West Coast through the years. I don't think the press relishes covering it, but I can't imagine. I would be so angry. I... I Doubt I could restrain myself from violating the laws, at least around the edges. I, oh, yeah. would, I would harass those people constantly. Turning the but water then, off and the electricity off? I, I'm sorry. I, yeah, I, I didn't mean to do that, or I didn't do it. I'll, I'll look into it. I'll get to it on Monday. Try to see if I can get that turned back on. Yeah, yeah, do something. But then, you know, you might end up being prosecuted, some sure. activist attorney. And how angry would that make you? How how insane. enraged would you be against the system? You'd be insane. I, I first learned about this, like a lot of people probably did, from that Pacific Heights movie back in the early 90s when Michael Keaton took over that house in San Francisco. And, the, and the, they couldn't legally get him out of there as he was tearing the place apart. Turns out, you know, n- not everybody that stays in your house turns out to be a murderous lunatic. But uh, all that other stuff was true about how hard it is to get somebody out. Yeah, that is just so wrong. But I don't... It's one of those things. People who own property uh, that uh, they don't continuously occupy are too small a group to get the attention of uh, enough politicians to change the laws. The trial lawyers are fine with this stuff. They want to litigate everything. So Somebody just need- drilled out my locks and they're living in my home. Let's uh, let's spend tens of thousands of dollars on l- lawyers. Perfect. So if I ever need to do this, the key the key is to have a key. Uh, you get the uh, get the lock out of there and then have your own key. You know, this is my house. Look, I've got the key. Do you have a key? You don't have a key. I got the key. I mean, you just live there. That's crazy. You don't need to put fecal matter on the floors. You know, you're living someplace for free. Armstrong and Getty. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. 
As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We had a great conversation with Tim Sandifer yesterday. Tim, the lawyer, about um, the New York Times 1609 project, 1619 project, about slavery and the rest of it. And and there's some really good stuff in it. There's also the absolutely idiotic and indefensible uh, idea that this country was based on slavery and its greatness was achieved through slavery and reparations and the rest of it. It is just... You cannot make that case logically, historically. If you missed it, grab the podcast from yesterday. Um, and the idea of reparations, which there are no politicians who seriously think that is a ha- it could happen or, or that it's unimplementable. It's an impossibility, but they pander by continuing to promise black America stuff that'll never happen. And it's just, it's terrible. Um, and we had a number of people point out and, I'm going to tell you in advance, it's it has to do with white slaves, the Irish slave trade, um, and the rest of it. And my point is not it's the same, or you know, people like me of Irish heritage have a gripe or should get reparations or anything, or that my life is the same as a black person's. I'm not that at all. It just goes to my point that slavery has been universal every corner of the earth. There are more slaves on earth right now than there have ever been in history. That's interesting. And and uh, the the sin, the horror of slavery is absolutely part of our history that we must reckon with. But it's not the way your you know, your Tanahisi coats and your super progressives would have it. They just hate America because they think it makes them look enlightened to hate their own country. Um but anyway, we had a number of people uh including SC um, and then also, I believe, uh, da, 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 Joe from Dayton, um, send along some stuff on the forgotten white slaves. 
Um, an Irish slave was valued at five English pounds. An African slave was valued at 50 English pounds. That's kind of an interesting sidelight. But the actual numbers of Irish slaves was astonishing. Um, this article, which And is, again, you are arguing about reparations for your people? Absolutely. That's your point? Yeah. This article in Global Research, it's talking about... Um, uh, Irish slave trade began when 30,000 Irish prisoners were sold as slaves uh, in the New World, by England, certainly. By the mid-1600s, the Irish were the main slaves sold to Antigua and Montserrat. At that time, 70% of the total population of Montserrat were Irish slaves. During the 1650s, over 100,000 Irish children were sold as slaves in the West Indies, Virginia, and the New World. God, the whole slavery thing is obviously awful, but when you think about children, it's just... It's hard to even imagine, but yeah, oh. it's it's his. Uh, is it Tim's piece from yesterday, or the New York Times maybe itself in the sixteen nineteen project, just talking about slavery is ubiquitous in human history. It right. just is. Right. As long as human beings been ooching around, they've been getting a hold of any people that they can dominate and making them work for them for nothing. Right, right, and treating and, them really badly. And, and Tim also pointed out, and it's worth pointing out from uh, you know after Lincoln was assassinated to. The civil rights movement, particularly the early 20th century, was absolutely horrific as black citizens had no civil rights, especially in the South. Horrific. Sin. Terrible. And there are things that can be done today to help, you know, uh, salve those wounds. I do not deny that. I, I never have. But back to the Irish thing and the white folks. Joe from Dayton, Ohio, um, who is looking at the book White Cargo by Jordan and Walsh. Um, black slavery started about 400 years ago. Um, during the 1500s through the 1700s, 300,000 white folk were shipped to America as slaves. Orphans running in London streets were swept up and put on ships to work the tobacco fields, Ugh. seldom living more than two years. Such were the conditions oh, they God. labored under. That's incredible. Brothels were raided to provide breeders for Virginia who were shipped off as slaves. Hopeful migrants were duped into signing as indentured servants, unaware that they would become personal property who could be bought, sold, and even gambled away. Away, Many were killed, so the owner would not have to give up property to them as agreed when they were freed. They would sign a contract saying, you work for me for seven years, and at the end of it, I give you, you know, the equivalent of $50,000, or I give you a shack and an acre of land. But they'd think, I want to keep my shack and my acre, so they just kill them. And there, was, there were no authorities to speak of to intercede. It was really like livestock. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the history of the mistreatment of the Irish people by the English is absolutely horrific. But, you know, what you want to talk about uh, Hungary and the, and the purges in the early 20th century or, you know, the various inhumane things that are happening right now in the Middle East or it's just it's practically universal, which is not to deny that it was terrible white on black slavery. But a lot of that stuff also ignores how uh, how many uh, people in the South didn't have slaves, were miserably poor, couldn't find any work because the plantation owners were were employing slaves. It was just, it was a horrific blot on for everybody, not equally. I'm not saying that. Um, but so the whole 1619 project, as you pointed out, Jack, in the New York Times, is mostly trying to whip up racial fervor to cow whites into not showing up at the polls and to get people to vote against Donald Trump because they say he's a racist over and over again. Well, the editor himself said, we're pivoting from Russia to race leading right. into the election. Okay. Right. 
Russia thing didn't uh, yield anything. Yeah. Not difficult to interpret as no. a strategy since he went ahead and said it. But I thought that was pretty interesting. Armstrong and Getty. Things are getting weird, and they're getting weird fast. Yeah! Yeah! Huh. Don't you think that's a little odd? Absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind. This is the Armstrong and Getty Show. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.